0: Welcome to Crisis to Come Back, your Western Colorado climate action podcast. Each episode addresses climate change in Western Colorado with a focus on Delta County. This season of Crisis to Come Back, you'll hear interviews and conversations from local voices in our community, government, renowned scientists, and experts in our Western climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. I'm your host, Corey Stanton, and on this episode, I'm speaking with John Miller, who is the Soil Health Program Manager through the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Here is John Miller giving us a glimpse into his Western Slope background.
1: I was born and raised in Delta County on a cattle ranch. I have a background in engineering, and then I started working with a local conservation district, teaching people irrigation water management. And I did that for about 11 years. So traveling around Delta County and then eventually um, Mesa County and Montrose County as well, helping people to learn how to be more efficient in their irrigation events and to time those events based off of evapotranspiration rates and soil moisture monitoring systems. So I have quite an extensive background in how to design irrigation systems, troubleshoot them, and then how to help people learn how to operate them efficiently. Currently, I work for the Colorado Department of Agriculture in the new Soil Health Program. It is a very new program. It was created in 2021, so it's only been around for a little while, and it has grown very explosively in the last two years. So this year is really, really an expansion year for us. I'm glad to talk about what the program does and what's caused the expansion and those types of things.
0: Yeah. And I have so many questions. I mentioned when we were emailing that I spoke with Ag Commissioner Kate Greenberg, and she's the one who mentioned the Soil Health Program, but we didn't really get in depth. So I am also very excited to chat with you. And I was curious, what is healthy soil?
1: There's a huge research component that is tied to our program as well. Um, And one of our stated goals is to create a uh, soil health inventory of the state soils. So that's something that we are working on. You know, I would say a good portion of our research is to define what healthy soil means in Colorado. Colorado has so many unique climate areas that are different than other parts of the state. So it's very hard to really sum up what soil health means in general for Colorado, but we want people to be able to find out what it means specific to their region. Now, all that being said, we do know what practices people can implement in their farms and ranches that will help them to increase the fertility and the tilth of their soil to make it healthier, no matter where they're at. When we start to look at our program, it is really truly statewide. So we have the eastern plains, San Luis Valley, like northwest Colorado, which is uh, you know, a very high desert area where they do a lot of dryland wheat farming. There's a lot of wheat farming going on on the eastern plains that are some people have irrigation, some don't. So There's just so many things that go into farming in Colorado that it makes it very difficult to make one definition of what healthy soil is, but I would say increasing organic matter and soil fertility are the two main things we're looking to do.
0: The Soil Health Program sounds like it's just two or three years old. Can you talk about what you've developed so
1: far? So the Soil Health Program What we do is that we want to encourage farmers and ranchers to experiment with a minimum of one new soil health practice on an enrolled field. So they pick a field, they enroll it in the program, and then they choose, again, one or more practices to try on that field. And then we're going to help them, help to support them as they implement that practice in a variety of ways. First, we provide them with technical support through a network of technical support providers from a partnership with CSU. We also are right now hiring some new employees for the Colorado Department of Agriculture to assist with that technical assistance. Those will be regional employees. So they'll be basically in four regions of the state, we'll chop it up into four corners. So we'll have those folks out there to assist those farmers and ranchers as they say, I want to try a new grazing plan. And then we'll have someone there to provide them with a little bit of information on what other people in their area are doing and to provide them with information on maybe the best way they could implement those practices. So that's the first way we help them. We also provide financial incentives for them to do this. So if people enroll in our program, they receive a per acre incentive each year for three years to kind of take the bite out of that uh, new practice. So if it fails, um, it fails. Again, we're experimental. We're not going for a hard outcome here. We just want them to try something new that is related to one of the five principles of soil health and then we will help to remove some of the cost from that. Our program does not provide a huge amount of money. The maximum people can get is $5,000 a year so $15,000 altogether for all three years and then for small acreages folks can get $1,000 the minimum is $1,000 so we have people that are large ranches, 20,000 acres we have people that are market gardens that are a couple acres that are participating in this program. So on top of the financial support, we also provide education and outreach. We have a bunch of webinars that are planned that are coming up to talk about the different practices people are implementing and talk about how well they're working and present those to the different producers that are in the program. We partner with conservation districts and conservation entities to help us implement the program on the ground because those are really the people who have local relationships with these producers. Those folks hold field days that we help to put on with them to get those local people in, whether they're in our program or not, to see what people in their area are doing and what's working and what maybe isn't working. So they can all brainstorm together as a community as to how they can better implement these practices. We also have a peer-to-peer learning pilot program that we're working on. So in that scenario, we're going to pick people in specific communities and we're going to train them. We're going to, we call train the trainer. So we're going to train them to hold outreach and events and on a local, very localized scale with maybe a handful of farmers and ranchers. And these will be people in their community that they know. So we're going to train them and bring them in and teach them how to teach other people And this is just a trial, so but we're hoping this will expand and be larger in coming years. We think this will be very key in getting these practices to be implemented in a more widespread manner throughout the state. And then we use a tool called the STAR Field Evaluation Framework. This is quickly becoming a nationwide framework. It began in Illinois, and now it is in a number of states. I believe it'll be about 13 states that are using this framework in one way or another by the end of 2024 or beginning of 2025. So it's a 10-minute Evaluation that a farmer or rancher can do through an app that we're developing. And when they're done, they get a one through five star rating. And then that explains where they're at on their soil health journey. And it'll also provide them with like a plan when they're done as to things that they may be missing in their operations that they could try to implement to increase that rating. So We've been doing that already with a Google Forms type of front producer-facing screen, but now we're working on this web app with National Star so that it'll be more user-friendly.
0: Do you find in the Western Slope that some farmers don't have the capability to download an app, and how are you mitigating those challenges?
1: So we have, as I said, partnered with those local conservation districts and conservation entities. And in scenarios where people can't fill out the evaluation on their own, we have those people to act as technical support to help them. Also, our technical assistance providers, so the people that are helping them to answer any questions they might have about practice implementation, those people will also be able to help them to fill out the app. I do think that... Many farmers are more computer savvy than I am think they're given um, credit for. There are a lot of different new technologies that are coming out for farming. And when you look at like a center pivot or different types of irrigation, people have pumps and stuff. They have a, a lot of apps associated with those now where people can monitor their flow, monitor their pump power usage. They can monitor the center pivot, and see where it's at in the field. And there are more and more farmers and ranchers using these types of apps. There are also a lot of folks that are using Web Soil Survey, which is a I guess what I'd call it, it's, it's an app, it's kind of clunky on a phone, but it can give you a personalized soils map of your farm or ranch, or, or even down to a specific field level. So I think people are becoming more used to using technology in farming and ranching, and it's only going to accelerate. But we do have help for folks that don't feel comfortable using an app.
0: Yeah, that's great. Can you give some examples of some healthy practices, like you're mentioning, that you want to see implemented through these programs?
1: yeah so a lot of the practices we're seeing are cover cropping, so cropping during the off season to leave some type of cover on the ground and not have a fallow field interceding or companion planting so companion planting is like when you plant your cash crop, you also plant something else in there with it um maybe a few different species of plant in there, and then when you harvest those other species have kind of been waiting in the understory to take off so it gives them a little bit of a boost instead of just planting right at harvest prescribed grazing changes to grazing management residue management is big so people learning how to assess how much residue they're leaving on the field and then leaving more than they have been to armor the soil so even if there's nothing growing on the field like during the off season having that residue out there holds the soil in place so it's not blowing away The principles of soil, five principles of soil health are a reduction in disturbance. So we have a lot of people who are reducing their tillage, maybe not going to no-till, but experimenting with ways that they can till less. So ridge till or strip till. The success of those practices is often dependent on people's irrigation systems. It's easier to do with a sprinkler system than it is with flood irrigation Soil armoring, so again, leaving that residue out there. We have the continual living root, so we want to have something alive out there on the field as long as possible. This becomes difficult in dryland scenarios and areas where people don't have enough irrigation water, but we want to encourage some kind of growth out there as much as we can, so as, as much of a percentage of the year as we can. We want some kind of root in the ground that's alive. The diversity of species, so as I was saying, People do a lot of monocropping. They grow corn, they grow wheat. What we want to have happen is to have as many species of plant out there as possible. So whether it's in the season when the cash crop's not there or in, as I said, growing it with the cash crop, livestock integration. So Obviously, with with like ranching, livestock integration isn't a huge issue. But with row cropping, livestock integration is really important. It gets a new type of diversity of species on the ground, which is animals that haven't that have maybe been removed from these food systems. So even if it's getting those animals out there in the winter to graze a cover crop that they planted after they harvested their cash crop, um, we really want people to have livestock on the landscape for a variety of reasons. They kind of work up the ground a little bit with their hooves. They have manure and urine, which are you know important biological fertilizers to get out there. Soil armoring is one of the principles of soil health. So again, as I said, leaving that residue on top of the ground And oftentimes people have to remove residue or it's a part of the process of harvesting the crop, but we want to try to encourage different practices where people can leave more of it there. And then, as I said, tillage reduction. So we want people to attempt to disturb the ground less. And incidentally, all of these practices are very beneficial for people to retain moisture In their soil, which is a huge issue in Colorado is our, you know, water, the the water issues we're dealing with. We know that increasing organic matter will help with your water holding capacity on your field. So organic matter acts like a sponge. So the more organic matter you can get in your soil, the more water you can store. So all of these practices help to increase organic matter and help to increase that soil sponge.
0: Awesome. They, I'm not a regenerative ag specialist or expert, but they sound like regenerative practices.
1: I don't like to use the term regenerative. <laughs> it's, I, I don't have a problem with the word regenerative itself, but regenerative means different things to different people. And so it can kind of in the ag world, it can kind of be a murky term. You know, these are practices that people used to do a lot. This is how farming was done. And then we introduced a lot of mechanization and chemicals into our operations. And we started to rely on that mechanization and chemicals and got away from using these practices that people were already using. So oftentimes I like to think of these as new old practices. So there are things that people were doing generations ago that we are, you know, having to bring back so that we can adapt to some of the problems that we're facing. There are a lot of problems that Colorado agriculture producers are dealing with, obviously climate uncertainty. So not knowing whether they're going to have water from year to year makes it very difficult for them. There are pesticide resistant weeds that people are having to learn different ways to manage. We have areas where people have been monocropping the same type of thing for so long that they have, you know, really serious insect infestations. And so implementing these different practices can help them to deal with all of those problems. So we have folks who are in our program who are trying to grow cereal uh, grain species as a cover crop. And then they crimp it with a roller crimper, which makes sort of a mat on the ground. And then they plant their cash crop into that mat, as opposed to trying to spray weeds that have maybe become chemically resistant. So they're trying to you know, look outside the typical toolbox of what people in their area maybe have been doing for so long. And instead look at a new... A new old practice that they can bring back to keep those weeds down. And I would also like to just say, you know, we are a very big tent. So the soil health program, we're not organic, but we have producers who are certified organic that are in our program. And again, we're, we, Don't specify by size of operation. We have people of all different sizes of operation in the program. We are not discouraging people from using chemical fertilizers or chemical pesticides, but we recognize that those are inputs that have gotten very expensive recently. And if we can help people reduce those inputs, then we're helping them to, to build resiliency in their operations and in our Colorado food chain, which is very important.
0: With Colorado's newer Soil Health Program, what brought that on?
1: Okay, so the Colorado Soil Health Program, it began as a grassroots movement by a group called the Colorado Collaborative for Healthy Soils. They looked around the state and saw that there was a need for a soil health program based off of the amount of interest there was in these ag communities. Um, The Western Colorado Soil Health Conference is like a really great example. It's like a grassroots conference that took hold and became a real movement here in Western Colorado and impacted a lot of people and encouraged them to begin trying new practices. And so this was happening around the state in many different spots. And this group, the Colorado Collaborative for Healthy Soils, thought it would be great if the state of Colorado could really support those local movements. So they started to do stakeholder engagement meetings and community meetings around the state and got together with scientists, farmers and ranchers, and different folks who were interested in this. And started talking to them about what they would like to see Colorado do for a soil health program. And out of that came House Bill 211181, which established a voluntary program funded by grants and donations to support the increase of healthy soils in the state of Colorado. So that's the background of how it happened. The bill was established in 2021. And in 2022, we enrolled about uh, approximately 120 producers into the first cohort of the program. So we were able to get those grants and donations relatively quickly. There were a lot of entities that wanted to provide funds for this program. We received funds from the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, the Colorado Department of Public Health and the Environment, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, and many others. So we received a bunch of grants and donations very quickly, and were able to enroll these first 120 producers. Also in that first year, partnered with our first 16 conservation districts and three um, conservation entities around the state. To implement the program. At the end of 2022, we were awarded a $25 million climate smart commodities grant by the USDA. And that is what has created the large program expansion that's occurring right now. With that expansion, we're in the midst of enrolling cohort number two. So our second round of producers, our goal is to get 320 producers by April. We are over 200 right now. So we're doing very well. Uh, again, they're all across the entire state. We've also partnered with 23 more conservation districts and conservation entities to help us with the program administration. So we have a have a big expansion occurring. Those funds also helped us to expand our research and our partnerships with CSU. I, I could go through what our research like very quickly what we're hoping to get out of this. So
0: yeah, I was gonna ask what are some of the goals for the soil health program?
1: Yes, so partnering with CSU and some other land-grant universities in the Western United States, we are doing economic case studies on a number of different producers who are implementing these new practices to see what the inputs and outputs are from the practices and how that's going to affect their bottom line and how long it will take for them to see a return on their investment in these practices. We're going to use those economic case studies to develop an economic decision tool So if producers want to say implement cover cropping, they can go and plug in some numbers into this tool and determine in their region, in their cropping system, what kind of cost benefit they'd be looking at. We have 10 research specific fields where we are doing edge of field monitoring and uh, intensive soil moisture monitoring on those fields as people implement these new practices and change the way their operations work on those fields. We have a sociology study that we're doing. So we're working with producers that are participating in our program uh, around the state to ask them how changes to their operation are perceived by their community and how we can better support them to make those changes within their community. Because we are in a generational transition for farming and ranching and it's not always popular for people to change what they've been doing historically in a, you know, tight-knit community. So we want to capture that with that sociology study. We are doing what we, we like to call soil air, soil water, and soil carbon studies. So we're looking at greenhouse gas emissions when people implement these practices. We are looking at Water holding capacity on the fields as people implement these practices and we are looking at mineralized and organic carbon during practice implementation and after practice implementation.
0: Yeah. So your job's just like really small, very basic, doesn't have any, you know, multiple layers or...
1: (laughs) We've had a very small team that's been working on this since it started. In the beginning of 2022, we had one original dedicated employee. And then we started to have to pull in some help from surrounding um, agencies. So we got a lot of help from the Colorado State Conservation Board. They provided a lot of staff input and staff time to help us develop this. And we've got a lot of help from the ADCRO department at the CDA, which is the Agricultural Drought and Climate Resiliency Office, which is where the soil health program is now housed because we believe these soil health practices help the people to be resilient against drought. So it seemed like a natural home for us, but we had help from their staff as well. And then now with this huge expansion, we are hiring a lot of people. So we have went from two dedicated staff at the beginning of this year to eight Soil Health Program staff members here within the next few months. So we're in the midst of that hiring. And I would encourage anybody listening to uh, watch out for these job listings that are out there. Right now, we actually have some positions that are posted for our regional soil health specialists. So these are people who are going to be on the ground helping to provide that technical assistance to our farmers and ranchers that are either participating in the program or not. We'd like to help anyone that wants to implement these practices. But those people will be local to different regions of the state, and they need to have a background in knowledge of practice implementation for the five principles of soil health or, you know, for soil health practice implementation. So the state of Colorado job opportunities webpage,
0: that's where
1: they list all of their state jobs. Also like our peer to peer learning network that we're doing as a pilot study, there's a couple of different conservation slash ag groups that are working on peer to peer learning. And I think it's going to be really key As we try to get more and more people to adopt these practices, to have those peers in their communities that are not only well-versed in soil health practice implementation, but also in how to teach people. So that's going to be gaining steam. This year, I know of several different projects that are implementing some type of peer-to-peer learning networks around soil health.
0: So you're going to be speaking at the Soil Health Food and Farm Forum in Montrose, Colorado on January 26th and 27th. What are you going to be talking about and what are you looking forward to?
1: I will be on a panel about the Colorado Soil Health Program. It will be um, myself and then a number of local producers that are participating from Montrose, Delta County, and Mesa County. So we'll be talking about this program. We'll also be talking about the star field evaluation tool that I was telling you about earlier, because producers that went through the program use that tool as well. So I'll be talking about that. I also will be giving a talk on irrigation water management, but the panel on the soil health program is something I'm very much looking forward to.
0: We just heard from Colorado's Soil Health Program Manager, John Miller. John and many other ag experts will be speaking at the 2024 Western Colorado Soil Food and Farm Forum at the Montrose Pavilion on January 26th and 27th. It appears that the in-person tickets are now sold out, but there is an option to attend virtually. For more information, you can visit SoilFoodFarm.org. You've been listening to Crisis to Comeback, your Western Colorado climate action podcast, produced and hosted by me, Corey Stanton. Crisis to Come Back is a local and regional weekly short form podcast that explores the impacts of climate change and the state of warming in Delta County and Western Colorado and local climate actions taken by individual citizens, businesses and government. Get informed, inspired, and empowered by listening to these short episodes and become a part of the solution to addressing our rapidly changing local climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. If you have questions, comments, or want to learn more about this podcast, please reach out to us by emailing crisis2comeback at chc4you.org. Thank you for listening.